Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A breeze strokes the reeds with tender touch. The draper, off to market, takes time for solitude. Alone, but for his pint, at the moon underwater. I'm Robbie Knox and I'm the landlord of the Moon Underwater, a mystical place where guests create their dream pub. Dan, how are you, Dan? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm absolutely delightful. Just been polishing the pub's brass. Oh, a new new brass cleaner. I'm trying out. What oh, okay. How's it? Yeah, looking looks, shiny. Looks yeah, shinier. Same. same. Oh, yeah. Disappointing. Yeah, Disappointing. Sorry. What have you up to this week? I've been visiting the um, the uh, cinema. You know, it's quite a special cinema, isn't it? Because it changes according to your taste. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So basically, whenever I go there, there's sort of classic Hollywood f- films from the oh. 1940s and stuff What did like you watch? Saw, so, uh, well, this month it was um, uh, Double Indemnity, one of my favourite films. It was great. Don't know anything about it. Yeah, really good film. Give us a recommendation. pitch. Um, Matt, uh, there's an there's a, a, a insurance guy and then um, he gets involved with a femme fatale who murders someone. Spoiler yeah, alert. Very good. Um, yeah. Fabulous. That's very exciting. I'm, I'm very excited today, Dan. Oh, we yeah. are expecting a very interesting guest to the moon underwater. Oh, it's going to be educational. As oh, well. okay. Yeah. Do you like learning things? I do, yeah. What are the five best things you've learned in life? <laughs> the five best things yep. I've learned in life. In order from five to one. Oh, my God. Quickly, please. Okay. Uh, five. Yep. Um, that. Uh, that um, a lot of beers aren't vegan because um, the way that they filter them is through um, a sort of fish guts thing. Okay. Yeah. Four. Four. Uh, that, <laughs> man, this is really hard. Uh, four is um, that the capital of Venezuela is Caracas. Three. Yep. Three is that... Um, we did uh, uh, part of our, our family DNA is is two percent Romanian. 
right? Two. Yeah. Two is that you, sh- you know, it's not a good idea to choose QPR if you get the chance to pick a football team to support because your last football team has um, has bankrupt. died. Yep. Yeah, gone bankrupt. Yep. Okay, what is the best thing you've learned in your life then? Best thing I've learned in my life is that <laughs> the best thing, the yeah. best thing yeah. of all, is that uh, oat milk tastes better in tea than 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 dairy. Okay, so ahead of driving, if yep. drive, anything else? Yeah. Ever writing, reading? Yep. You know, the oatmeal. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, That's could I have just gone for reading as a whole? As an, as well, a yeah, whole learning. something you've learned, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. could be anything. But you chose weird, very weird things. But yeah. Well, if that's, if that's what your honest honest opinion is. So, sorry, honest sorry, opinion. sorry to interrupt you, yep. though, Dan. I know you're enjoying that mm. conversation, but who is that striding confidently towards the pub? Mm. Well, it's the British Asian journalist and beer writer and author of Desi Pubs, A Guide to British Indian Pubs, Food and Culture, David... <laughs> <laughs> After all that, you get the David. Yeah. David Jesse Darson. David, how are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you very much. I do have a very tricky first name, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. I was checking the before. surname is easy. I know. People always slip up on David being so uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> I was checking beforehand. I said, how do you pronounce your, your surname? And, and then you we got didn't to ask it. how do you Absolutely pronounce fine. my first name. I just, problem, I just assumed you were a different spelling, of a different pronunciation of David. So yes. arrogant that you thought you'd just be able to do the David. Yeah, but yeah. yeah but it's, I'm not great at my job, I think, is... <laughs> yeah. is, is uh, fair to say. Um, David, I've got your book here. Um, first of all, just to give some people a bit of background, what is a Desi pub? So it's, uh, first of all, it's Desi. Oh. Uh, like it rhymes with Lionel Messi. Okay. So fair. soft S's. Des- uh, a Desi pub is a British Indian pub. So it's um, run by someone who's sort of Indian origin. Um, but I would say a step further would be to say that they have stamped their heritage on the pub whether that be through food most commonly or music or events, Bangra uh, events or things like Kabaddi. Um, but also there are pubs that were set up because of the racist colour bar. So um, pubs in uh, Southall, pubs in Smevik, they were uh, hostile to um, people of, that were brown. They often were segregated, so brown people could only go to certain sections of the pub. And to be able to have a sort of safe, inclusive space, um, Indian people of Indian origin, usually Punjabi, sometimes Gujaratis, in this particularly in London, they set up their own spaces. Um, and they were for primarily when they were started, and we're talking the first was sort of set up in the 1960s. They were set up for um, people of Indian origin. Um, but then as they progressed through the years um, and places got more multicultural, then um, white people start to come into them. And then sort of from the sort of 90s onwards, they became sort of very inclusive. And today you have loads of different people, different types of people sharing mixed grills, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because I, I lived in uh, Forest Hill in southeast London for a while. And there's a pub there called the Dartmouth Arms. Yes, I know. The, well, you yeah. yes, and it's very interesting because I live in Broccoli. Okay, okay, so, yeah. yes. And the Dartmouth Arms was a famously colour bar pub. Yeah where um, it wouldn't serve a black customer. And he went in with the mayor of Lewisham and um, neither of them were served. And so yeah. that became... And then there's oh, another yeah. um, very interesting pub, which you may have heard of called the Broccoli Barge. Yep. 
And that's now is a Weatherspoons. Um, but until uh, Weatherspoons opened it up, it was a segregated uh, pub that had an Irish bar and a Jamaican bar and outside toilets for black people. And that remains a colour bar until the mid 90s. And then wow. it was only only until Weatherspoons took it over in 2000. Did they introduce policies to stop discrimination they barred a lot of people but what they found was that when people walked into the pub um, they were self-segregating so they actually had to change the tables around to get people to sit with each other and that kind yeah. of thing um, so it is a part of our very modern recent history um, and, and one that people would like to forget about on yeah. wikipedia uh, when i went on the international racial segregation page it just said racial segregation didn't exist in the uk um, so I went about creating a whole nationwide page about the colour bar. Yeah. Um, and, and that's because it's not taught in schools and mm. we don't learn about social history. And, and as you and say, so recent. Yeah. Recent now. So it was, segregation so, was made illegal in the 60s, but carried on beyond that. Yes, that- yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it never was legal no. in a sense, but it never really was enforced as well. So after the 60s, it carried on. Um, so where you talk about Forest Hill around there... Um, uh, Jamaica, there's a very high Jamaican uh, population and so they would go to Brixton and um, drink in the Jamaican pubs there and so Desi pubs are very similar um, it's sort of genre of pub hmm. except where these Jamaican pubs sort of they faded away in the last say 20 years Desi pubs have got stronger because of their food offering yeah. I think and their popularity among all different types of people it's and because Indian food is so is is so popular with British people, yeah. isn't it? You know, mm. it's it's everyone knows what the different curries are, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think Jamaican food, Caribbean food, has a slightly more didn't have that mainstream appeal, maybe. No. And those pubs were very wet pubs, like these ones. So I think that's the reason why 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 we don't have these all different types of pubs, and that's why Desi pubs have endured. Is there a typical? Desi pub or are they all yes I mean they are um, I think um, you have regional differences okay so in London what's interesting is um, a lot of pubs in uh, North London uh, and which you know talking about Kingsbury Queensbury around their Harrow um, they started off as sort of clubs and what it was is that they licensing authorities didn't want to give them a pub license through racism. They didn't want to trust them to, 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 to serve in the community. So they said you can have a member's license. And so what this meant was that a lot of the, the sort of pubs had blacked out windows and um, a lot of people in the area thought they were um, strip bars. <laughs> <laughs> but what really made them take off because they were opening up in the early 90s was that Sky Sports became a big thing. So they all put Sky Sports in there and um, that led to them being called sports bars. So a lot of people would just say this is a sports bar, but actually sport is a big factor in all Desi pubs. And so going to watch cricket, um, football, that kind of thing. The Regency was probably one of the first... Um, of these kind of like Gujarati Desi pubs. And it even had a cricket team in the early 90s, um, which had these RCC logos and that kind of thing. And so that's very different to the sort of Punjabi ones that you definitely get all around the Midlands and in places like Southall and West London, which are very traditional pubs 
which have been taken over. The decor has been kept very similar to when they took took them over, but very nicely maintained. And then there'll be little things like Sikh legends, portraits, that kind of thing. And you go in and um, it feels really not working men's club, but very sort of humble, yeah. but well-maintained. And a lot of people who liked pubs in the past will think, oh, this is really good. This is, mm. you know, this is a real traditional place. And then you've got the twist of the the landlord who is Desi and the food that they serve. The books, as I say, I, I absolutely loved it. The first probably quarter of it is, oh, it's like a history lesson of the history of, of the Calabar and of, of pubs and, and how they developed. And then it's, from that point, it's a guidebook around the country until all the different areas. Was that a lot of a lot of research, I imagine, of traveling the country for these? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really was... Like I think the thing that I have to have to say, it sounds like I'm an authority figure, but I never had these when I was growing up. So I I didn't grow up in London. I grew up in Bedfordshire, and you know my first experience of pubs were they were very white spaces, um, and so I didn't really discover these until re- relatively recently. And so I'd never until I really started doing the book had been to any of many of these places. I'd been to Smethwick once for something else, and then so it was just a case of. Um, often I would meet people in pubs and they'll say, oh, have you been to this one? Have you been to that one? And then we'll just go that way. And But fundamentally, it, the guidebook element isn't me going to do food, have the food. I'm no. not a food writer, really. It was me getting to the bottom of these pubs and finding the best stories. So nearly every uh, entry in the book is where I've spoken to a landlord and they tell their story. And really what it is, it's a way of me catching the the story of the diaspora and about how Britain changed them and about how they changed Britain. Yeah, fabulous. You mentioned your first experience of going to pubs. What were your early pub going experiences like? Well, they're pretty horrible, really. Um, so th- the first pub I ever went to was called The Crown, uh, and it was uh, sort of, I think I would like it now. <laughs> but I have this kind of um, fixation with old pubs, particularly pubs with fires, mm-hmm. pubs with uh, stone floors, wooden bar, lots of cask on offer, and it had all that. Um, but when I walked in, they all the, the entire white uh, uh customers they all just looked at me and one guy just pointed at me and said taxi and um, that was like uh, my first experience of a pub because Dunstable wasn't really uh, a diverse place then it has got better but I was the only uh, non-white person at school and their only interaction with people of color were service industry taxi jobs and they, they were very keen to mock but it did start my I did like the beer. And so it did start the sort of obsession that I have with beer and certain beer types, particularly cask beer. It's interesting that you've grown to love pubs so much considering that's your early introduction to them. I, I, I have to also say that I was 14 when I was doing this, right. um, which is people are very surprised about in these days. Um, but there was no real IDing in those days. I mean, we're talking like early 90s. Yeah. Um, mid 90s maybe and I needed a third space because my family life was was wasn't great I left home when I was 15 and so I've always yearned for uh, pubs and particularly the sort of father figures that landlords offer 
Um, and I've had many interactions with landlords who are hugely positive and have, and I like the way that they're custodians. Um, I mean, I say landlords, but that was my experience. I, it's only recently that I have had those kind of role models with 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 women, <laughs> yeah, and and people of color. These these were always sort of white people that I would look up to. And one of the reasons I did the book is because I wanted to change that in my head, this idea that the default would be a white landlord who's middle-aged, yeah, who sometimes has <laughs> problematic views on things. You, know? <laughs> you don't discover yeah. it first and yeah. eventually, eventually come through. I mean, I remember going to this pub in Hastings, which again is this archetype of what I love about pubs. It has fires in the middle of it, stone floors, and um, I was with my partner and I ordered a curry and the landlord just kept coming up to me and kept saying, so what do you think really? Was it really good? Was it really <laughs> like, mate, I'm not the only person here who's probably had a curry or anything. I'm not an authority <laughs> on what I can really stop battering me about this. And it just made me feel really awkward and kind of, I was just like, but I'm still going to like that pub. I have a determination to like places yeah. despite it. And I think that's what the book did. It opened me up to different places yeah. in this country and made me realise that you've got to just go through your inhibitions, got go through your prejudices to be able to visit something new and do something. You can't just stay in your London middle-class bubble that I was in. Yeah, completely. There's a great bit in the book, I really like, because I lived in... Ainsford near Seven Oaks for a bit, okay. and you mentioned in there. I used to live in Seven Oaks. It's almost as if we're following, we're following each other. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. We go. Um, but you mentioned it in the book. Yeah, um, Barry, the landlord uh, of the, the anchor, anchor yes, who yeah. is. I went in there, and within minutes, he, I, I always refer, say to him as the ultimate landlord because he's the most friendly. Yeah, I love him. Welcoming guy. Barry's the reason why I became a beer writer because I did when I was a, a reporter at Seven Oaks Chronicle for some reason they were like can you interview Barry and do a feature on him and um, I went there and it basically was Barry performing for an hour and literally performing he'd go into the back and put on silly costumes and come out and then do all this came out with this massive plastic lobster and things like that and I remember thinking and I must have been sort of 24 something like that I remember thinking this is what I want to do for my life interview people in pubs yeah. and this and that's why although you know people say you're a beer writer I'm really a pub writer you know I see pubs as the as the, as the gold standard of our leisure time yeah. and landlords when they're on their game and entertaining. And I've met many people who are much like Barry. And I interviewed, I went back and uh, interviewed Barry about a year or so ago. And he told me his philosophy of the three tenors. And the three tenors is you don't want, you don't, he's very cockney, isn't he? You don't he want is. this. You don't want one person coming in and spending 60 quid and getting drunk and his missus hates him. You want to take a tenor of each person. You take three <laughs> and they'll come back happy as you like, take a tenor off them the next day. <laughs> it's great because it's the, it's the most working class of the pubs in Seven Yeah, Oaks, I mean, he, yes, he, he, called, he, he's, he was very upset once when someone's uh, on Facebook um, put on the uh, said this is a blue collar pub, and was very sniffy about it. Mm. And like you go in there, there used to be this guy, and he so Barry is the best landlord I know when it comes to looking after his locals. He would um, open on Christmas Day just for the locals, and then drive them home. And he, and I was like, well, why do you do that? He goes, well, they haven't got anything else. I'm their family, and so you'd walk in, and I'd, I'd, I'd I was really like. 
sort of apprehensive at first because it is quite a white space. You know, Seven Oaks is very white. Um, but Barry was always very protective, always very welcoming. And um, he looks after people. And he, um, one of his cu- customers, he used to, this guy who was, a, he, I'd walk in and he'd say, all right, Chronicle. He wouldn't learn my name. He just learned the newspaper's <laughs> name. Ray, I can't remember his name. But um, he was he's in a home and Barry visits him every week. And um, it's very cute. And I showed my partner the feature I wrote on Barry. And she's like, you really do just like old white men, don't you? <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, he's 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 a lovely guy. If anyone's in Seven Oaks and wants wants to um, see a, a great example of the landlord trade, um, Barry is your man at the anchor. Uh, David, we've got to design your dream pub here. That's the purpose of of the podcast. So, you get two choices on draft. What's your first choice? My first choice is uh, Wadworth 6X, oh. which was the first ever pint I had at the Crown. Uh, and the Crown was the one in Dunstable. So it, it's interesting, that beer, because it's sort of set me up for how I see what I want Higger style from beer. <laughs> you know, very sort of um, the colour I always remember the colour, but also it's very, you know, 4.1%. It's very sessionable. Um, it mainly, off the top of my head, mainly English hops. I think there might be one that's uh, an American one, but it had this fruity bitterness balance that I just, that I loved. And um, I can imagine it now on the sort of dimpled glass. Yeah. Um, I don't want it sparkled, I don't think, but I do want the heads. I want it, you know, perfect. And um yeah, it's just that's what 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 I look for um, at certain times of the year, um, nearly all the times of year, <laughs> uh, and would probably mean the reason why I cannot leave this country and live abroad. I think so. I hate it as well. I think. <laughs> <laughs> what made you choose that as your first pint? Do you think when going back? Well, yeah, I do remember now why I, I chose this um, because the. Um, when I went to the bar after I was ridiculed and I kind of put up with this ridicule and they kind of allowed me in a bit. Um, so I was like saying, I don't know what I want. And the guy said, ask her for a six X. And I went, can I have a six X? And it, and it turned, and she went six, six. And it turned out she was a Kiwi. And so they were like, like lampooning me. And so that was the, <laughs> oh, the reason why I was lucky in my choice, uh, what I, what I chose. And, um, and, and having worked in pubs, uh, around that time there was no sort of craft option and I think that when I tried lagers or anything like that they didn't I found them very sort of plain in this country since I've gone abroad and to the Czech Republic and stuff that's been far from the case and also the way craft lagers but at the time that was the the sort of what you would have if you were a beer geek or into sort of craft beer you know so that kind of flavor profile has always sort of stayed with me. My friend, actually, uh, Greg, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm going to make a guess. Uh, I was We were texting about pubs the other day, and he told me, coincidentally, that his first pint was also Wadworth 6X. No way. But he was so nervous uh, when he went to the bar, and I think, like you, he was underage as well, and he's so nervous that he went to the bar, that I think he asked for a pint of uh, Wordsworth, 
<laughs> and the barman just kind of looked at him. The lad looked at him and put him straight. But I went, no, you can't have that. No, I think he said, I think, yeah, you were thinking, you can't have that. And he was like, oh, we said, you have a pint of Wadworth, though, and kind of poured it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's 100 years old this this year, 6X. Oh, is it? It's birthday. I didn't know that. December, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, they must have changed the hops mm. throughout the years because I was looking at it and that some hops were introduced in the 1980s. There's one which I think is American. You know, so so I, I think it has. So I think what I had probably is very different to what I had. If I would have, if I, I, I don't know where to find it. If I was being brutally honest, I think maybe there's a pub in Greenwich where I last had it. Um, I haven't had it in a while. It's not, it's not hugely popular in London, is it? What you know, they're what are they Wiltshire? Yeah, yeah. Wiltshire, so yeah. like that's why you know, devices. in Bedfordshire you had different beers. Mm, you know, yeah. I remember having the those you know lots of Oxford beers. Green King was a big, huge thing. You know. I, it's funny because a lot of people were very sort of bemused that Abba Ale came second in the Camera Beer Awards at GBBF, but actually I totally rate Abba, and um, and it, it's incredible because you go into Weatherspoons have it for one pound eighty, yeah, and it yeah. is usually really good, you know. So like um, I I yeah, so, so I'm a bit there is a part of me that is a very granddad when it comes to beers, <laughs> beers. So that's definitely one of them, yeah. No, I'm definitely with you on that. I'm big, big fan of Six X, and and uh, yeah, I had a pint of Abbott and Weatherspoons for the first time in ages. Why did week. you? Because of the the thing, or I just I really like Abbott's, and I just yeah. hadn't seen it for such yeah. a long time that I was like, oh god, I haven't. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. It's really it's nice like time, anyone yeah. who says it isn't good. I just defi- you're not you because people often say it's very variable in quality. Mm. I, I don't know about that, but um, when I've had it, I've always enjoyed it. Mm. You know, but. I guess I'm lucky because that Weather Spoons that um, that we mentioned, the Broccoli Barge, the one that was the former Colour Bar, is actually the the it's been rated the best Weather Spoons in London and the second best in the country. So the beers are always yeah. like top notch. I mean, a lot of beer writers are, are like, "Well, why do you drink in a Weather Spoons?" And, and I can see why it is a problematic for a lot of people. But it is the only place that you go around where I live where people of colour will drink. Jamaicans go. They the Jamaican bars ended and they they now convene in Weather Spoons. That doesn't celebrate their culture, but it does mean that you've got a diversity of place mm. where other pubs are really gastro pubs, don't really offer much cask anyway, and aren't really that comfortable for drinkers. Yeah. What's your second choice on draft? Uh, so it is Villagers Big Salad IPA. And this was the first, I say, you know, as we say, I was a bit granddaddy. So I was a very late adopter to craft. I think I had. Brewdog, another problematic one. <laughs> Brewdog, <laughs> Elvis, Elvis juice, um, and I don't. But but Brewdog is where I draw a line. I, I don't drink Brewdog anymore. But Elvis juice kept like changing. They kept lowering the ABV, and so I and it was always just like a sort of dessert I'd have. You know, I'd I'd have a half. I'd try that or a can. Um, but but the big salad was the one that really really I just was like, this is a great beer. You know, really, really, really sort of limey, zesty, that kind of thing. And um, it was brewed, brewed, found out, brewed by a woman called Zoe and uh, with the villagers' brothers, because they're they're Louis and Archie villagers. It sounds like a name that you, but that actually is the surname. They've left the brewery. But I did do a beer with them that was based on that uh, recipe, but it used... um, Indian spices, that kind of thing. Oh, and it well. was, a, yeah, it was actually a joy to do a brew day with my favourite 
craft brewer, really. Yeah. One of my favourite craft oh, brewers. Fabulous. Yeah. Do you know, do you know the hops? In it? Yes. Hand? Yes, I do. So they're all um, they're all sort of American uh, hops, and uh, and this is a Deptf- uh, They're in Deptford. They're in Deptford. Yeah. yeah. Um, and never had it before. Yes. It, well, you, that, that Rodeo and Rafiki. So they're very, I think that like they're they're very good in that they've got a core range, mm. and those three are the core. But then they do very good, you know, black IPAs, yeah. all that kind of thing. So it's, so a really good craft brewer will have, in my opinion, have a nice core range, and then you'll have a bit of loyalty to them. And then when they introduce the new lines, you then will come out of your comfort zone and try it and that kind of thing. So it's uh, Idaho Seven. And then uh, Citra and Chinook. And it has like stone fruit tones, that kind yeah. of thing, you know, very citrusy. But when we did it with the uh, spices, we found that uh, turmeric made it very um, fizzy on the throat. So people thought it was a lot more um, ABV than a 6%. It went a bit higher than a 6%, but people were like, this is like, must be an 8%, 9%, yeah. a, a neeper, a t- you know, a, a teeper, that kind of thing. But it, yeah, and so it feels very substantial when you have that. And I guess that's what I'm always looking for because with cask, it feels substantial because of the way it's poured. It's heavier, isn't it? Mm. And so yeah. 4.1% Wadworth feels like more than that. Yeah. Whereas this on keg feels like very, very heavy, very nice, you know, and you could have two of those that'd be lovely, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's what is it? It's five point eight. Yes, talent. yes, yeah. I, yeah. I, I sometimes look up um, reviews of these just to see what other what people have said. And I, I'm, I, that's just quite a nice one by someone who said it's five point eight percent, but tastes a lot lower, maybe four percent. Plus, it has only slight carbon uh, carbonation, so I could smash these down way easier than normal and end up blowing chunks if not careful. <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm. Uh... Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? That's <laughs> a nice review. Yeah, so that's the kind of thing you do in your beer writing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Dan and I uh, recently, in research for this, as we're always professionals here, we yes. visited our first Desi pub. We went to the Gladstone uh, in Borough, and we absolutely loved it, didn't we? Yeah, it was amazing. What did you like about it? Well, I mean, the first thing you talked about friendly welcomes. The first thing we sort of we got it was a Monday. And we got there just before 12, so they weren't open. So we were waiting outside. So we were waiting outside on the street corner. <laughs> and um, and then eventually the chef sort of saw us and guessed that we were waiting to come in. So came out of the pub, <laughs> came out and went, are you guys waiting to come in? We're like, yeah, yeah, sorry, we're really early. He said, no, come on in, and sort of brought us in off the street. And you just think, I can't imagine that happening in many pubs. Like, you know, that's a sort of welcome. Someone literally comes out of the pub to get you to come in. Um, yeah, but my, and it was beautiful inside, wasn't it? But yeah, it was that hospitality, I think. Yeah. My um, oldest friend, Arthi, is, is Indian. Her parents moved over from Kerala, I think. Um, so I spent all of my childhood in sort of Indian... Indian families or being left left there or visiting their friends and things like that and it was that sort of hospitality that you're so used to and sort of you should try this food and mm. sort of thing like that I mean so we, we haven't actually explained what Desi means no mm. and yeah. um, so part of Desi means uh, homeland it's a Sanskrit word so what, what's interesting about it for me is I'm always looking for something that captures my experience of um, being both of Indian origin, so my dad is of Indian origin, and British. And so what Desi is means that you have left India. Um, so someone who's living in India isn't a Desi. Um, and so a lot of people say that, that Desiness is about uh, inviting people into their home. So you're getting a home experience. I mean, what I like about the GLAD is that um, Gurav and uh, Mega will introduce you to the locals. So when you come in, you don't often get that in London. No. It's almost like two separate things. Um, and they took over the pub, I think also in, in 2016 or whenever when, whenever the London Bridge attack took place. Because the when that happened, they were just been there for a few weeks and they kept the pub open until something like six in the morning and they let people who were just fleeing the, the thing come in and use their mobile phones, you have, have free drinks, that kind of thing. They looked up and that's when they were sort of became firmly enmeshed in the community. And I spoke to one of the locals and he said, he's been going to that pub for a long time. He's lived around the corner and it, before it was a music pub. Um, but they, he said that sometimes as a sort of just a drinker, you wouldn't be made to feel welcome. And he said that when he saw them, he knew as straight away that this would work because they're so friendly. And what they did is they kept the things that people liked, like the pies, but they just twisted them so that they like chicken tikka pie, mutter paneer pie, that kind of thing. And what I say to people is that it's the it's a modern desi pub. It's not very similar to the other ones you'll go to, but it's a great introduction to that world. So you can start there. And, you know, Gurav himself will recommend loads of desi pubs. And we went to some during the book. And so the whole thing sort of came about very much because of them. And I wanted it to be that wanted them to that pub to be one of the ones that everyone visited when they read the book. Yeah. And that and you mentioned the the food there. That was something I found really interesting that it wasn't you weren't going there and getting just purely South Asian food. 
and you weren't it wasn't British it was like a, a fusion of the of, mm. of the two sort of thing and, and and I think from reading in the book although it you were very clear in it saying that these pubs aren't sort of just just one or the other sort of thing it really sort of explained what it was like that you can get a scrambled paneer pie yeah I mean, when they first started, when they first opened um, for Desi's, they weren't, they didn't have a menu, a lot of them. And it would be like, can you make me a masala omelette? Can I have chicken tikka? That kind of thing. And then it would be on an ad hoc basis. I'm trying to think if there's any, there's probably one that's like that in East London that still does that, has a menu, but you can order off the menu. Um, but nowadays, they're more professional outfits with, with that kind of thing where they have the, the menu. Um, but I think the, what they're crucially different to is the curry houses. Um, curry houses in this country weren't always brown spaces. They were very sort of white spaces. The people who were running them had to put up with a lot of racism. They were run by Sileti Bangladeshis who did an approximation of, of Indian food, large menus, sometimes variable quality in food. And Desi pubs, don't have that they have a very high quality of food um, mainly because of the co- they're often in concentrated areas where they compete with each other that kind of thing and so because of that people will always love it especially the mixed grills because the mixed grills are great for pubs because they're a great sharer and so mm. they're great communal food which really lends itself to pubs and really lends itself to sort of going to a football match before that like, you don't know how much you want you just have a bit of this you've gone in a group and so I think they're, they're, they're really all multi-purpose venues, really. You get two bottles or cans in your moon underwater. What's your first choice? Uh, well, the first choice is the... Uh, it's by Elusive Brewery. Um, and Elusive Brewery is uh, run by a guy called Andy Parker. And he's, he's known for uh, being the uh, nicest man in beer. So yet again, I'm attracted to a balding white man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But it manifests itself, this niceness in um, being just very open, being very able to listen. And he was a home brewer. And so when when people come and approach him who are home brewers, he he often gives them advice. And he gives advice to anyone opening a brewery. But the thing that you must remember that He's renowned for being nice, but but he's also should be renowned for making quality beers. And the Oregon Trail is his most popular beer, and it is a West Coast IPA, which and it feels like two drinks in one. So you have the fruitiness, the great it has a great fruit on the nose, it um, and the bitterness though really comes through on the first taste, um, but then it goes back to citrus, possibly very lemony. And once your palate gets acclimatized to the bitterness, you have other flavor profiles appear, notably lychee. And I think it's the Simcoe hops that give the like grapefruity stuff. So it feels really, it's incredible. It's just I love this beer. You I'm love so this glad beer. you picked yeah, it. I think yeah. it's so great. I love a West Coast IPA yeah. in general. But as you're right, it's very, very fruity, lovely bitterness. I had it on cask in Reading on Monday. Oh wow! Um, in the Nags Head. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I think cask is, it's just, although it's the thing you would associate with keg, yeah. if you find it on cask, it works so well. Yeah, it's so mm. nice when you when you get a craft beer that you're used to on keg, keg and you yes. find it on cask yeah. and it gives that just different. But it works, it works really well in cans, doesn't it? Yeah. It's one, it's it's just such a wonderful beer, you know, yeah. without a doubt. And I think Andy himself said he prefers cask. So he, okay. although he's, most of his beers, I think, and might be wrong, are brewed to keg. He does like, yeah. car, you know, favours cask. 
Yeah. I mean, you do go to, if you go drinking with brewers, they often don't go for juicy IPAs. They do go for the Wadworth 6X, yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting that. Um, and I also wonder why that is. And I think it's because you can tell how good the brewing is through that. Yeah. Through mm. simple, simple, you know, English hops. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. I think there's that cycle, isn't it, that people get into when they start off with your IPAs and then go through sours and stouts and then lagers eventually for that sort of yes, that sort of um, I guess not able to hide anything sort of thing from it. So I think there's a nice that sort of circle of yeah of craft. I think as as a cast drinker though in this country, you are always spoiled because if you go to a Weatherspoons or a chain pub, you know that there's going to be a playable one. Hopefully, yeah, you know. It is tricky sometimes in London, but in well, I went to Norwich and most I pubs. Pardon? I live in Norwich. You, you live in Norwich. Yeah, you two definitely are following. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Parallel lives. So I went to the Tiger um, and a few other. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was amazed by how much cast they did. Yeah. And um, also the sort of what I would call semi-traditional breweries like Grain do yeah. a lot of like uh, very good craft styles as well a moon gazer is another one yeah. as well that's um that i was very impressed with and it's uh a very much a beer city isn't it yeah it is and a lot of great cask pubs the fat cat and king's head and there's, there's lots of lots of great it's the king's places. head the one with the table billiards yeah it's, it's on magdalen street i think it's the one that won i think one the and it, camera that, uh, best of the east yeah. and that only year. has cask doesn't it yeah, and yeah. it only has cask and then belgian beers yeah 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 yeah, yeah and, that, and it's it's, great, it's a know. brilliant pub and it's one that from the outside looks very unassuming and, yeah i was and, a bit nervous walking in yeah. i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> yeah. when you <laughs> get in there it's a lovely it's, pub. Yes, and, yeah, and yeah. i think it's a good example of how if a pub is just great and serves good beer it can be busy all the time because there's generally always people there. There's always a nice crowd sort of thing. I, I mean, it's funny that experience of, I'm not sure what this pub is like when I walk in. And I always think that like people talk of atmosphere of pubs. They're talking about interiors, aren't they? Yeah. But we do get an atmosphere of what a pub's going to be mm. like from the outside. But that's often a prejudice, especially mm. with Desi pubs, because often their exteriors aren't great. Yeah, and I'd say ninety percent of them, particularly the ones with blacked out windows. You like, I remember going to Boulevard um, uh, in North London, and then thinking, "Oh my God, is this even a pub?" And I walked in, and it was like the most pub pub you could imagine. <laughs> yeah. It had women um, sat at the bar. It had different types of families, but it was like, and I started talking to these people. I say, "So why do you come here?" And everything they said, "Well, we set up a WhatsApp group in COVID, and now we just come here once a month." That's our socialising. Okay. And I thought that's the most pub thing I can think of, actually. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's great. Um, elusive as well. I think they're a great brewery in general. Overdrive that they yes. do, I think. That's, yes. that's lovely. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. The Nelson as well. Have you had that? I don't think so, no. Yeah, that's a very good. Okay. You should. I yeah, highly recommend look. that, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think, I'm, I think there's an order coming in for Elusive yeah. very soon. So yeah. from my... From the web shop. Um, what's your second choice in bottle or can? I think it's Burning Sky Imperial Stout. and um, But this is a beer I've never tasted um, because it's a beer I'm aging in my loft. Oh, wow. And <laughs> But this makes me sound like I'm like really good at aging beers. <laughs> and I'm going to admit something to you that I've tried to age beers a lot and I'm terrible at it. 
because I drink them. Because <laughs> I just get too excited. No, I just run out of beers and then remember I've got a beer upstairs and then go and have it and say I'll replace it. And I kept doing this with Orval. Um, and then it's like my friend of mine, Steve Salapal, who runs a non-alcoholic uh, beer company, he gave me an aged Orval. And I was like, yeah, I really should stick with this because it changes the complete flavor profile. It doesn't necessarily make it a better one, but it doesn't make it a worse one. It just makes it a different beer. So I've got a big bottle up there, uh, 10%, and I'm, I'm going to hopefully one Christmas, sorry, in a two or three years' time, I'll probably open that out and it'll have all these different flavors profiles to it. So you've not, you've not tried it before in any form you know, I did unaged. I think I think I went to uh, yes, I have because I went to the Dark Beer Festival in the Hope in Car Shorten, right. and um, I put and considering how drunk I was afterwards, I probably tried every dark beer that's ever been made by this country. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the this the Imperial Stout is nine percent, I think. That's all right. Yeah. yeah, and they said, um, and I quite like what what Burning Sky says about it, which says uh, it's warming. Without being too boozy, you think nine percent is fairly. But I suppose that's I suppose that's what the taste. Yes, well, you need the, the high ABV to age it. Mm, I yeah. think a lot of people because I, I did try it with a creek uh, that was, it wasn't high enough. It didn't work. I ruined a beer, and um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing I associate Burning Sky with Plateau and, and Aurora, I think, and they're very pale beers. Um, but so I'm very interested to know what what this will. Will, will, will come in at how does one age a beer is it simply just leave it or does it have to be stored in specific conditions do you know what i can't remember how i do it i think it's just they're stood up uh, in the dark upstairs simple okay. i think it's quite simple to do mm. yeah yeah I've, i remember I'm... um <laughs> so uh, there's a, a a drinks writer called anthony gladman and he's big into it and when i um started drinking the the orval I remember posting the meme of I have failed you and put his picture in, in the thing. And I very much think that I am very, I do fail people. <laughs> people give me lots of beers and they're lovely. Um, but often I will will come home after having a skinful and then crack them open and then think, yeah, I really didn't appreciate that as much as I should. So I try harder. I try. So what I've done is I've, I really like dark, dark. I like Budvar dark. So I, I went to Lidl and bought like 10 of those and I keep those for if I need one after the pub so I don't attack the stack like in a in a in, a, in, a, in case of emergency break glass yeah. yes yes so it's Budvar yes yes have you ever had it with mixed together with normal Budvar no, no yeah you can mix it and it's really and that's another geeky thing isn't it mixing beers so you'd often I can't remember what happened I think it's the the, the light goes to the top and the dark sinks so you have like two different types. honestly try it it's great okay. oh really that's amazing yeah I do want to try that Okay, phones away, put a gag on Siri, it's quiz time. Elvis's black belt was in karate. I saw it on QI. No half points for saying JK Rowling is the lead singer of Jamiroquai. Moira Stewart. No, I'm afraid it was Gordon Honeycomb. David, a, a pub quiz is a big thing in the Desi pub scene? Uh, I think they have them at the Glad. Um, I'm not 
Not sure. I don't think so, to be honest. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I'm just, to say, I'm just assuming you know it's everything. It's a flat yeah. no there, I think. Um, and yeah. do, you, do you like a pub quiz? Well, I did another pub near me, uh, the Wickham Arms. I don't know if you've ever been to it. That's that's kind of like a sort of rough and ready pub. I once did a. I actually held a pub quiz there, and the pub quiz was so hard that it nearly caused a riot. <laughs> I think. But you know that was the. Uh, but I kind of I and I remember doing soap opera questions uh, because you got to do soap opera questions and they're all about El Dorado and everyone got really annoyed with that as well. So I was like, okay, <laughs> can't really. I'm not um, I'm not pitching this right. It is hard to know how to pitch it. Um, yeah. So and we'll see whether I've pitched this this right because we've got a little pub quiz. Is what we do. It's okay, the halfway point of the of the is pod. Is it buzzers? No, it, it's very relaxed. So right. I'm going to give you three questions yeah. and you can have a think about them. Yeah, I don't then, know these questions. Either. Yeah, I know nothing. Right. About Robbie them. doesn't okay. know. And um, then when we come back for the second half of the pod, you can you can both give me your answers and we'll see. Right. I was thinking, uh, what what could I? What sort of subject could I do? And I thought, well, you've travelled all over the country for Desi pubs so I thought I don't know how you did it but I thought we could have a little quiz on uh, the three letter shorthands that National Rail use for different towns and cities brilliant oh wow yeah, yeah. brilliant yeah yeah okay so for example Lee L-E-E is Leeds no it's Lee in London okay yeah. okay so um, thank you for saying Leeds um, <laughs> so this I'll, I'll tell you this three yeah have a think about them. We'll do the answers in a moment. So, uh, first one is D. D-E-E. D. Second one is Biff. B-I-F. Biff. And the third one is uh, C-H-M. C-H-M. So, we've got D, Biff, and Chm. <laughs> okay. Okay. I- Pub quiz. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to give it any any adjective there. I did have I did have some easier ones, but um, our producer made me pick the really hard one. Okay, yeah. well that's uh, that's on on him. If this is awful, then yep. uh, Dan very much not taking responsibility for his own pub <laughs> quiz there and blaming others it says a lot about you, Dan. Yeah. Right, it's time to leave those of you who don't support the Moon Underwater on Patreon. But if you don't subscribe, you can head to moonunderpod.com and sign up to get ad-free extended episodes a day early, a monthly bonus podcast, and access to the Moon Underwater Social Club on Facebook. We will see you soon in part two, where we will continue creating. David's Dream Pub. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help! I Sexted My Boss. And on Tuesday, our show at the London Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. 
So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. Help as Sex and My Boss Live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome. Go to sexatmyboss.com slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexatmyboss.com slash cinema.